You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on clean. Now looking at Jairus and Daughter. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Welcome back to Podcast 25 in Clean. Also, Podcast 64 in the New Testament Character Studies. We'll be looking at Jairus and his daughter. In our series, Clean, after cleansing and purity, we looked at leprosy, exorcism, and now we're kind of midway through the reanimation section leading up to the conclusion. We uh, looked at three reanimations in the Old Testament. Of course, there was the, the mass rising in Matthew 27. And then we had the widow of Nain who got her son back in Luke 7. And today we're going to look at the story in the very next chapter, Luke 8, uh, Jairus' daughter. What's happening in Jesus' ministry? He's training the 12. He's building their faith. He'll be sending them out very soon on what's called the limited commission, not the great commission. Uh, that's in Luke 9. And uh, there are actually two miracles intertwined in this account. I think the podcast would be uh, too long, and I'm afraid I could get away from the purpose of the series if I examined both of them. Uh, but let's just let me acknowledge that we probably are losing something if we isolate one story uh, without analyzing its relationship with the other. Of course, the second story is the story of the woman who has been suffering for 12 years. And that number 12 binds the two stories together. But I think there's a bit more than that. So with permission, I hope you think it's right. We're just going to focus on the reanimation. Luke 8, 41. There came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. We notice how everyone is learning who Jesus is. His influence is is growing, cascading. It's not just the leper or the prostitute whom Jesus touches. He's reaching people of influence, high-born and low-born, rich and poor, master and slave, leader and follower. Here, a synagogue ruler. And we know that a number of synagogue rulers became Christians. Also, we see that in the book of Acts. But Jairus, is, he's desperate. He's desperate. His daughter's slipping away. It might be his only child. Uh, it could be read as his only child or simply his only daughter. Maybe he had a son. Uh, We don't really know, but what we do know for sure is he was in despair. Oh, one other thing about Jairus. Uh, It's not integral to the story. I think it's more of a bonus. It's the meaning of his name. It means he will awaken or God will awaken. So even in his name is kind of the hope that his little girl will, will, will not die, but that she will make the comeback. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that the story didn't happen or the name was supplied you know, to, to make the story more interesting or, or mystical. No, I think it's probably a coincidence, but very interesting name. His daughter is at marriageable age or soon will be. It says she's about 12. It doesn't say her exact age, but around 12 or 13, that's when the Jewish girls were being betrothed. Their husbands would be older, uh, quite a bit older, in fact, as the custom was. So at the time when this little girl would be preparing 
soon to bring life into the world herself, herself to, to have a child. Instead of that, her, her life is about to be snuffed out. The clock is ticking. And yet, unfortunately, though Jesus intends to go to the house of Jairus and help, uh, there's an interruption. And that's the woman with the flow of blood. So that scene interrupts, delays his arrival, so that by the time he gets to the synagogue ruler's house, the little girl has died. Let's pick it up in verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. Here the Lord addresses the twin issues of fear and faithlessness. Do not fear, only believe. And wow, how many sermons could be preached from that verse. Now, this is not a case of mind over matter, the so-called word faith movement. You believe that she'll be okay, and she will, you know, kind of magically, automatically. Uh, That's too mechanical. There's an imperative here to put our trust in the Lord, It's not just believe like believe that you're really something or, you know, believe uh, in some mystical way. It's really about believing uh, God. It's taking Jesus at his word. Common sense thinking would say, don't bother. I mean, she's as good as dead if she's not dead. Worldly thinking might lead us to reject that. But Jesus wants us to have a faith that's really solid. And if we'll do that, he's not saying we always get the object of our desire. But if we do that, things will go fine. God will be in control. Already, this is a very different healing to uh, the healing of the woman, the woman who interrupted Jesus. She approached Jesus just to tap into his healing power, to seek relief, uh, hopefully in anonymity, apart from any relationship with the Lord. But that sort of seeking for blessings or power is impersonal. Actually, it's worldly, more like magic or manipulation than, than the way the Lord would really have it. The Lord wants us uh, to connect with him, to reach out to him in relationship. It's not about spiritual power. It's about love. Well, although delayed, eventually he makes it. We continue. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. All were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them, to tell no one what had happened. So Jesus arrives at the house, and basically he there are too many people around. He's, he wants to go inside, and even though it's kind of a restricted entry, there's still seven people in the house because Jesus brings three of his disciples, and you've got the parents and the little girl. 
And that's probably a good thing he did because there was laughter when he said that she was just sleeping. So I think it's good that he had excluded them uh, because faith is not easily nourished among mockers in a climate of skepticism. Notice that he addresses the deceased directly. You know, he takes her by the hand, child arise, or is it talitakum in the Aramaic? He addresses her directly and she rises. And there's some parallels here with the reanimation we studied in 1 Kings 17. Jesus tells them to give her something to eat. Even though she's been reanimated, she still has biological needs. Her system has been shut down for a little while now. It's time to prime the system and, and get back to living. Her parents are astonished. The disciples had been similarly astonished in the previous chapter uh, when the widow of Nain got her son back. But they've seen this before. Maybe that's why Luke just tells us her parents were the ones who were amazed. And then he tells them, don't speak to anybody. I don't think that means that they weren't allowed to tell people that their daughter came, came back from the dead or she was fine. I think the idea is not to implicate Jesus. Uh, it's still too early. After his death and resurrection, this is not going to be an issue. Anything could be shared in Jesus' name. But too much too soon would precipitate his arrest and curtail the training process. And that was not God's will. Before these events, the death and resurrection, it was just too easy for things to be misunderstood and get out of hand. I think that's why he tells the parents, you know, to be discreet here. Well, it's an amazing story. In, in some ways, it's not that different to other reanimations we studied. So what's the challenge for us? Well, I get four things from this story. Number one, I need to be patient. Sometimes before the Lord gets around to my request, he has to take care of someone else's. You know, I'm, I'm not like the star, the center of the stage. You know, you're, you get impatient when you're standing in line, perhaps, or if a car cuts in front of you, or, you know, the, the clerk is being extremely kind and, and chatty with the person in front of you. You just want to pay for your purchase and get out. We got to be patient, um, not pushy. I'm telling myself that because that's my nature. Is that the way you are? Uh, number two, in my approach to Christ, am I overly mechanical or intellectual? Or do I truly cherish the relationship? We appreciate Jairus for coming to Jesus, uh, imploring in a very humbling, humble way, and interacting with Jesus. You know that the woman who who just tried to kind of sneak up to him and get some of his power that would be. The, the more mechanical approach to religion. The better people are at relationships, the less they'll struggle with the mechanical approach. But that's, that's a difficult thing to learn if you've been brought up um, in, in, without the, the personal training. I relate to that. Number three, how much am I governed by fear and faithlessness? I mean, if Jesus was going to say, hey, Douglas, uh, don't be afraid, just believe, what would be the context when would he be telling me, uh, don't be anxious about this, trust me over here? You know, is it something uh, with my marriage? Is it in relation to someone I'm reaching out to? Is it someone in the congregation I really don't want to bump into, but I'm afraid I might? You know, Because if we're fearful and faithless, that can deflect us from God's purposes. And four, even if it appears that all is lost, I should still trust him. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, we look at this touching story of the raising of this little girl. Her father was desperate and she died, but you chose to raise her from the dead. I'm sure that delay was difficult, but it was not pointless. And when you, when you got there, you did raise her from the dead. Help us to be patient when we feel our needs acutely and prayers not answered right away or someone else is getting time that we wish was devoted to us. Help us to control ourselves and be patient. Let us not be mechanical in our relationship with you, not just checking off anything, a good deed or a prayer. We, we don't think highly of people who, whose religion is just rote. Help us not to be that way, so easy. Let us, Lord, not be governed by fear and faithlessness, but, but walk in, in trust. And even if things appear really, really bad, help us to trust you, not to become un, unrattled, unhinged. We know we can do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our next podcast will be on Lazarus. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on clean. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.